Today on Violin Class, I'm going to be giving you an inside look at my own personal scales routine. When I was a student and working really hard on improving my technique and spending a lot of time on scales, I was always really curious as to what other people were doing. So today I thought I would share my own personal process with scales, how I like to practice them, and what a heavy scales practice day would look like in my practice room. Since I'm a professional violinist and violin teacher, I'm not at all saying that you should be doing all of these things, a little bit intense for anyone who's just starting out, but my goal is more to give you some ideas and a bit of inspiration as you're structuring and planning out your own scales practice. But first, hello and welcome to Violin Class. My name is Julia. I'm a violinist and violin teacher, and on this podcast, I share my tips and advice to make learning the violin a little bit easier. Scales are a really important part of our practice as violinists because they serve as the foundational building block for a lot of the music that we play in Western classical music. So it's important to spend a little bit of time every time you practice your violin on your scales practice. And there have been different times in my life where I've spent quite a bit of time on this when I'm really trying to reinforce my technique and work on a more consistent and smooth sound, or maybe I'm working on playing a little bit faster, or perhaps I'm playing something that requires just a lot of dexterity those are times where I'm going to focus in more on my scales to just become an overall more proficient player. This is a part two to my previous episodes called Scales 101, Creative Ways to Practice. So go ahead and check that out if you want a little bit more of the context and just some general creative ideas that you can use to play your scales. Let's get right into it. And the first thing that I always start with in my scales practice, no matter what, is a very slow scale. So I'm talking setting the metronome on to 60 or slower the slower, the harder. So sometimes if I'm feeling ambitious, I'll put it on to 50 or maybe even slower than that, 48, 46, something like that. And then I'm going to play whole bows, whole notes. So four counts per bow and separate bows, just going all the way up a scale and all the way down. I'll talk about types of scales a little bit later in this episode, but Generally, as a professional violinist, I'm playing three or maybe four octave scales. If you're just starting out, that might be a one octave scale of just eight notes or maybe a two octave scale. Either way, you're still getting a lot of benefits from playing these scales. Um, Just know that for me, they're going to be a little bit longer and quite a bit higher if you're just starting out. If I have limited time, the only scale that I'm going to do is this one, the slow one, which, you know, sounds boring and definitely not very sexy or fun, but it is the most important because not only am I warming up my fingers, I'm also warming up my ear. Playing slowly like this gives my ear the time to process every sound and pitch that I'm hearing, and that's super, super important for intonation, playing more in tune. And I have more time to actually compare each note to the following note and listening in different intervals so that I am just going to be overall playing more in tune in my general violin practice. So whatever I'm doing here is really focusing on the fundamentals, not only warming up my body, but also my ear so that when I go to practice my pieces, I really have a good idea of what I should be paying attention. 
The other thing that this slow scale does for me is that it really warms up my bow arm. So again, not only physically, but it also gets me listening to my tone and the consistency of the sound. I am looking for a very smooth and consistent bow speed. So not playing any crescendos or decrescendos, everything is completely even. And the other thing that I'm really paying close attention to is the space between the notes. So I don't want any holes in the sound here. I want everything to feel very consistent and that each note kind of goes right into the next one without any stops in the sound. Again, this is going to translate into how I'm going to be working on my, on my pieces later on. So if I've got limited time, this is really what I'm listening for, playing in tune with a very consistent sound. Sometimes I might skip the metronome. I might go right into playing it slowly without metronome. I think it's nice to do about half and half, just kind of checking in. But if you're doing a lot of metronome practice, sometimes you want to try it without the metronome as well, just to see what that's going to sound like. So from there, I'm going to work on slowly speeding up my scales using something called the Galamian acceleration pattern, which is sounds very fancy, but essentially we're just kind of doubling the speed of our scale every time we go up and down, starting very slow and then doubling, doubling, doubling using slurs. And this is going to get a little bit technical for anyone who is just starting out, but I'm going to walk you through it anyways. I'm going to keep the metronome on at, let's say, 60 for today. And instead of playing whole notes, my next round of scales is going to be half notes. From there, I'm going to start adding slurs and continue doubling the speed of my scale while keeping the metronome consistent. So I'm going to then play quarter notes, slurs of two. Between the half notes and the quarter notes, slurs of two, my bow is still doing the same thing, but my fingers are going twice as fast. And then I'm going to double my fingers again, going into eighth notes, but keeping the same length of slurs, which will at this point be slurs of four, and then double again, 16th notes, slurs of eight, and double again, a lot of the time, if I'm feeling up to playing fast that day, 32nd notes, slurs of 16. You can even actually keep going through there. But this is called the Golomian Acceleration Scale, and I'll actually link an example of this if you want to hear it in action in this week's newsletter. So keep an eye out for that. If you're not signed up for that, you can go to my website at violinclass.co slash newsletter. And that's where I always share some sort of bonus content or things that I've mentioned in this episode in email form. So going back to my scales, I've done the very slow scale and then I've slowly worked my way up to playing quite a fast scale. So by now my fingers are pretty warmed up. I've done a few slurs and I'm really paying attention to staying in tempo with the metronome and the space between the notes, trying to stay very even in my bow. And then from here, things get a little bit more open-ended and I have room to play a whole bunch of different options. The next thing I'd like to do is think about adding some bow patterns. So bow patterns are just different types of articulations. We've talked about slurs, but that might be slurs mixed with separate notes, or maybe just all separate notes or different groupings, maybe slurs of three, slurs of two, a whole bunch of different options, which again, I shared a whole breakdown of this in 
last episode, uh, Scales 101. So if you haven't checked that out yet, that's going to give you a few different examples that you can try. But next I am going into the bow patterns and generally I'm going to pick two or three to focus on each day. That will give me a nice little mix of interesting things to try without being too overwhelming. Again, this is always flexible. It might be more, it might be less, but generally two or three different bow patterns is a good place to start. I often like to start with some sort of slurred bow paired with some separate bows. So that might be a slur two separate two pattern or maybe a slur three separate three pattern or going up from there, maybe slur six separate six pattern, something that's going to have me switching directions in different part of the bow and is going to put the separate bows right next to the slurred bows, which is going to allow me to really compare the sound between the two. Then I'm going to try to do something fun, something to keep me on my toes, something that's going to feel challenging. If you want some ideas for that, that's exactly what I'll be covering in the creative skills workshop, which is going to be linked down below. If you're interested in checking that out, something that I might be working on in this time is dynamics. So maybe taking my entire scale and trying to make a giant crescendo from pianissimo to fortissimo over the three octaves and then a giant decrescendo over the three octaves descending. Maybe the next day I'll switch that up. I'll do a decrescendo on the way up and then a crescendo on the way down. Just again, to do something that feels a little bit unexpected, uh, that's going to bring my scales into the context of something that is more musical. Something else that I will often do at this time is work on my martelet stroke. I'm then going to break my bow up into small sections using this stroke and repeat each note several times depending on how fast I'm going. And that's going to sound like this. The martelet bow is super important when working on tone quality. And, and another thing that it does for you when you're practicing your scales is that it really helps you to divide your bow into even sections, which if you remember from the beginning of this episode, that is key to creating a very, very even sound, which is going to give us a nice, beautiful tone quality. So here I've done my slow scale. That's, I think the most important, the one that I will always start with to warm up. Then I've done my acceleration scale, which is going to wake up my fingers, get me playing in time, get me playing a little bit faster. But the idea is that you're doing three different patterns to just get you playing things that are a little bit more challenging and a little bit more interesting. Three sounds like a manageable amount for me. Uh, some some days I won't have time to do all of them and I will just pick one and do the next one the next day. I don't try to overthink it, but I will have some sort of game plan going in. From there, I will then start to practice my arpeggios. Arpeggios are something that I really neglected for a very long time and I didn't really spend a lot of time playing and perfecting my arpeggios until I was well into music school. And I got to say, this was probably one of the best things that I ever did for my technique. I 
I actually had to spend a couple months doing a self-imposed arpeggio remediation program that I created where essentially instead of playing my scales, I would just focus on arpeggios. During this time, I was playing arpeggios like an hour or two a day, which is kind of crazy. Um, but again, in the context of music school, this is really what helped me level up my technique in a very, very significant way. So uh, for you as an adult learner, whether you're a beginner or you're advanced, if you spend just a little bit of time from your scales practice, also looking at arpeggios, you're going to find a really big improvement in your intonation and your overall dexterity, especially if you're also working on shifts. This is a great way of working on shifts if you're doing the two or three octave arpeggios so let me share how I like to practice my arpeggios. Again, just for inspiration for you, you definitely don't need to do all of this. I think it's a little overkill if you're just starting out to spend this much time on your scales and arpeggios, but there are some times where you really want to focus in on your on your technique and you can maybe take some ideas from this. For my arpeggios, I'm generally going to focus more on acceleration and speeding them up. I might do some bow patterns here and there or some sort of rhythms, but just for the purpose of this episode, I'm going to keep it simple in my description of what I do because, again, just like scales, there are a lot of different things that I can and have done for these, but these days I am mostly just trying to work on speeding up my arpeggio patterns in a way that is structured and is going to really give me a good workout in my left and right hand with a pretty in a pretty limited amount of time. So I'm going to put my metronome on once again to something quite slow. And in this case, it's going to be the slower, the easier because however fast we go, but because just like scales, since we are keeping the metronome on at a consistent tempo throughout each pattern, the faster we go at the beginning, the faster we're going to go at the end when we're going really, really fast. So so I think a nice place to start is around 50 to 56 beats per minute. And I'm going to start with dotted half note, three beats per bow. So I'm going to play through one arpeggio in that way, just at that slow tempo. And then I'm going to go directly into quarter notes where each bow gets one beat. And then from there directly into triplets where I get three notes in slurs per bow. So I think it's easier to actually listen to that in action. So let's listen to an example of what that could sound like as an acceleration pattern with slurs in arpeggios. So that's how I like to speed up each arpeggio when I'm looking at them individually. One thing that's really nice to do with arpeggios that sounds really cool and is, again, really good for your fingers and applying your scales in context to your pieces is working through something called an arpeggio sequence. So there are different types of arpeggios, and we like to organize them in violin at least, in a way that sounds nice to the ear and explores just different combinations of notes that fit within the key. So let me play you an example of an arpeggio sequence. So just in case you're not familiar with the term, you can understand what I mean. We'll be right back after this quick break. The Violin Class Podcast is brought to you by my very own private violin studio. If you want to bring your violin playing to the next level, if you find that you're stuck on a certain technique or a piece, 
you're having trouble making progress, I would love to help you work through whatever challenges that you're working right now on violin. So if you're looking for a violin teacher to help guide you in your progress, or if you're self-teaching and looking for a one-time lesson to check in and work together to make a plan for your violin playing going forward, I would love to work with you. I've been teaching violin online to adult amateurs of all levels for over a decade. So if you are interested, you can reach out to me at violinclasspod at gmail.com or through my website at violinclass.co slash contact. And yes, beginners are always welcome. On that note, let's get right back into the episode. When you're a beginner, and if you're working out of, for instance, the Hermali Scale Studies book, which I really love and I use with all of my late beginner to intermediate students, and I actually play through sometimes on my own as well, the arpeggio sequence is going to be pretty simple. It's a minor arpeggio followed by a major arpeggio of the same key. And what's nice about this is it gives you a bit of extra notes to play with, and uh, it sounds really nice. I think generally arpeggios are nicer to listen to than scales. In some ways, they're, they're harder to play too, but they're nicer to listen to, so I don't mind spending as much time on those. When we get into more advanced arpeggios, for instance, from the Carl Flesch scale system book, which is the one that I play from and the one that I've been using since I was a young teenager, we get into some more complex arpeggio patterns. And I think these sound really nice as well. I'm going to play an example of that for you now, just in single octaves so you can get an idea of what that sounds like. As you're setting up your arpeggio practice, you're maybe focusing in on one of those patterns and getting really, really comfortable with that and then putting it back into context in some sort of sequence where you're playing a few at once. And again, this is going to always be putting the the technique back into context so that you can use it for your pieces because again, an arpeggio, the scale is just a different combination of patterns of notes that we often come across in our music. And again, if you want some examples of that, I break those down in the last episode, which is the Scales 101 Creative Ways to Practice. So do I practice all of that, all of those scale patterns and arpeggios whenever I go to practice? These days, not so much. I have had times in my life where I've spent over an hour a day, every single day on all of that. Those times have been periods of great improvement of my technique, but where I'm at in my life right now, I am just checking in on things and working on small goals and maybe spending 
10 to 20 minutes on this technical practice every day, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. Another thing I wanted to touch on that I think is helpful when you're a student, just to give you a little bit of background information is how often you should be changing out your scales and what keys you should use for different patterns. That kind of practical guidance isn't something that I was really instructed on when I was learning. I think I didn't really have a good sense of how to rotate my scales until I was again well into music school. So hopefully this can give you some ideas of how you can actually get through all of your scales. Here is what I would suggest if you are just starting to set up your own personal scales routine. I think everyone is going to find something that's a little bit different that's going to work for them. But again, just to give you a place to start, I like to have one or two keys going at once, depending on how much time I'm willing to put into my technique practice. I'll take the example of a student who is still learning all of their scales, but knows a few quite well. So let's say you are just learning the C minor two octave scale, but you're already really familiar with the G major two octave scale. And let's say those are your two focuses for the week. So I would take the C minor scale and and work on the slow and the acceleration scale on that key only. All of the slow work, you're taking that time to really internalize all of the distances between the fingers in your new key. And then you're going to take your more familiar key, which in this case is G major. And that's where you're going to practice all of your bowing patterns. Then in a week or two weeks, or maybe three, depending on where you're at in your studies, I would then take the new key and make that into the old key and then start a new scale from there. Let's say it's taking you about three weeks to get really comfortable with the C major two octave scale. You can play it up and down in a comfortable tempo and you're not making any major tuning mistakes. And generally it's starting to feel pretty good. Then I would take that C minor two octave scale and make that the key that you're practicing your bowing patterns on. So that kind of part two of your scales practice. And then you have room to learn a new scale. So maybe that's the F major two octave scale, which then you'll kind of rinse and repeat playing the very slow bows and then the acceleration pattern on that. And then your C minor two octave becomes your more familiar scale that you're able to practice all your bowing patterns on. If you have limited time, you're maybe only doing just one of those and that's totally, totally fine. Everyone's routine is going to be different. So you can take one key and throughout the week, maybe you're doing just two patterns. So the first is always going to be that really slow pattern. Maybe Monday you're doing the acceleration scale after that. Then Tuesday you're doing the slow pattern, one bowing pattern. Wednesday you're doing the slow pattern and then another slow slurs pattern, etc. And then rotating to a new key when it feels comfortable, but I would say no more than two or three weeks just because it's nice to have some sort of deadline and structure when we're trying to learn new keys. And then you're rotating to a new key after two or three weeks or faster depending on how quickly you're learning scales and how much time you're spending on them. To give you an example from a professional player, when I was spending an hour or more on scales, I would actually stay on one key per week and then I would rotate every single week. And then at the end of 24 weeks, I'd had looked at every single one of the major and minor scales. So every year I knew that I had done all of those keys at least twice. And for me, that was the best way of kind of maintaining my technique so that when I would come across something in seventh position in F sharp minor, I knew that I had spent some time 
in the last six months, really focusing in on that technique. Again, if you're just starting out, that is way overkill, but you can just use some of those concepts as inspiration when you're structuring your own scales practice. For the arpeggios, as long as you're doing them, that's the most important. You have a few options. You can either pick a third key and just work on those arpeggios, or what I would probably suggest doing is you pick one of the first two that you're doing for the scales. So you're really limiting yourself to something that's really manageable. And going back to my example, if you were working on G major and C minor, if C minor was the new key, maybe that you're starting on your arpeggios that week, and then you give yourself maybe two or three weeks to get comfortable working on those arpeggios alongside the scale. My biggest piece of advice when you are structuring your scales practice is to have some sort of scales chart. You can make that yourself. All you want to do is write out all of your different keys and then have some columns for your major, your minor, and your arpeggios just so that you're keeping track of what you've done and what you have left to do when you're kind of structuring all of your scales practice. If you're the kind of person who likes planners, I actually have a scales chart available as part of my practice planner on my shop. I'll link that in the description, violinclass.co slash shop. But again, as long as you're doing something to keep track of your scales, I think that's very key because otherwise what's going to happen, you are going to spend a lot of time playing G major scales and maybe an A major scale, maybe a B flat, just something that is just more manageable and easier to play. That's something that you've been playing for a long time. And then we're going to be neglecting our higher scales. So maybe your E flat, your F sharp minor, your D flat minor, anything that feels a little bit outside of what is comfortable is what we're going to spend less time on. So having some sort of system to track everything, some sort of chart to look at what scales you have left to learn is not only going to motivate you to keep on learning scales and learning different keys. It's going to prevent you from getting bored and it's just going to generally push your technique to be more comprehensive and for you to be more comfortable playing on the fingerboard. So let's summarize. Hopefully I've given you some good ideas of how to structure things. When you are practicing your scales, I would suggest always starting with something really slow to focus on the fundamentals. From there, you have a few options as to which bowing patterns you want to do, trying to stay creative and doing new and interesting things every now and then, as well as working on speeding up your fingers through some sort of acceleration scale. From there, you can also practice your arpeggios and you can practice them in a similar way as you are practicing your scales. And what's really essential is that you're sometimes rotating through your scales so that you're giving yourself time to explore that scale deeply and get a really good sense of where your fingers are going and just generally get comfortable with it. But then you're rotating and trying something new. Maybe that will take you a week. Maybe that will take you several weeks, but just as long as you're doing something to keep yourself on your toes and moving through the different keys, that's going to allow you to play the most amount of repertoire and give you the most mastery over the distances that your fingers need to learn between the notes to have a good sense of playing on the fingerboard. 
And then lastly, you are tracking what you're doing in some sort of system, whatever that may be. You can make a chart. I think that's the easiest way. And just keep track of which scales that you are comfortable with and which scales are the next ones that you're learning. And the goal is going to be to get through all 12 major and minor scales at some point over one octave and two octave. And then when you're an advanced player, being able to play all of those in three octave and even some of them into four octave scales, the lower ones at least. Generally, G, G sharp, A, A sharp, and even B we can do in four octave scales when you're a very advanced player. I hope that this gives you a little bit of insight as to how you can start to structure your own scales practice and how I personally like to structure my scales because again, there's something, it's something that should be enjoyable, even though it's something that's very technical and having some sort of system like this makes it so that you're going to have a plan going in whenever you're picking up your violin, you know exactly where you're at, what you want to do next. And you have ways for making things more complex or less, less complex, depending on <laughs> your general mood and what you have going on that day. So I hope this helps. Again, if you haven't listened to my previous episode on Scales 101, Creative Ways to Practice, definitely check that out because I think you'll find some good tips there as well. And if you found any of this helpful, if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate if you could take a second to leave a rating or review. I'd also love to hear from you if you have any suggestions for future episodes. You can always reach out to me at violinclasspod at gmail.com or I'm now on social media and you can DM me at Violin Class Co. on Instagram. If you end up making some sort of scales chart or scales routine, I would love it if you could share that with me. I'm super curious to see what you guys come up with because again, everyone is going to come up with something that's different that's going to work for their life. So, so just take a quick photo of whatever your scales chart is and send me a DM on Instagram. I promise I will look at it and respond to your message. So thank you so much for listening. And in two weeks, I will catch you at the next one.